Welcome to the Biz and Mayhem podcast, where we talk about the mayhem in our lives and how to get ahead in business and your career. This is Chris Batchelor, and I'm here with my co-host, Tara Parker. Let's get started. Welcome to episode 15 of the Biz and Mayhem podcast. How's it going, Tara? I'm doing pretty good, Chris. How about you? I'm doing good. And uh, how's your uh, COVID vacation going? What a COVID vacation? How? Are, at least you're trying to turn this into a positive. It's still going. Right. How about that? It's still, it's still trucking along. It's it's a uh, it's got life in it. Unfortunately. Have we hit Groundhog Day yet? I mean, it feels like it is Groundhog Day. Have you seen that movie? Uh, I have. Uh, interestingly enough, we have uh, some some talk about Bill Murray later on in the show <laughs> here. But uh, well, let's get on to the newsroom. This is the newsroom. Uh, yeah, let's talk about some things. Have you, uh, so there's, I don't know if you're a big NBA fan, Chris. I know that I'm, I like to have the NBA on or a basketball game, but I like it as background noise, especially on the weekends. You know, I just, for some reason, I've been a real big fan of having the basketball game on the background and I'll watch occasionally. And so um, it's not like football, but given all the political, <laughs> political teams that people are on anymore. I stopped watching everything. And yeah, I, I am not a big basketball fan and this is silly, but the noise of the basketball court and the shoes like drive me insane. No, those are terrible. Those, those are, <laughs> like, you would think weekend, we have the technology, like, fix it. All I can hear when I watch basketball is a million little squeaks for, you know, two hours or whatever it is. So I, I don't really watch. I'm not a huge sports person anyhow. So, yeah, I, uh, I, the NBA games are fine. I like them and I like any basketball game in real life because it can be really fast paced, a lot of action, a lot of cool moves going on. Um, football I like to watch, but I don't like my politics and my basketball and my, my sports to mix. And so I checked out this season and I've watched nothing. Absolutely yeah. nothing, but doesn't mean that other people aren't. They're just not as many of them watching. Him. But there's there's some changes coming, right, to the yeah, NBA. There is. So this might pull me back into the game. Um, so who is this? Fox News, of course. That seems to be kind of the the uh, I don't know. Seems to be the links that we use the most of anyway. Um, they have they've posted something that says uh, the title is NBA to leave BLM social justice messaging off the floor next season. And this is coming directly from Commissioner Adam Silver. So this is exciting. That means they're going to, I guess they've been able to put social justice statements and opinions on their jerseys, it sounds like. And this is the whole kneeling for the anthem type of thing. And it sounds like next season, it's not going to be the trend that it is this season. That's well, funny. at least for now, right? <laughs> I mean, that's what they're saying. You gotta get, well, when, you're, when your viewership is down from you know, millions, like, you know, in the 30, 40 million range, and it's down to 6 million, it might be time to pay some attention to what your viewers are telling you. Yeah. I so I think this is definitely a reaction to the numbers that, that they're seeing, uh, you know, people watching games and things like that. I, and I think the uh, NFL has had the same issue, right? A lot of fans have oh. just said, I'm done. I'm coming to watch a game. I'm not coming to be bombarded with these, you know, social justice issues. And yeah. I think it's important to say that nobody's saying that the social justice issues are bad. Um, I, I think what the fans are saying is just it's the wrong, the wrong place, the wrong time, yep. the wrong format. I, you know, I agree. If, if we're, these athletes are getting paid, this makes it their job, and that's what it is. It's a job. They're, I mean, they're enjoying their job. Hopefully, 
But how often can you take your political opinion to work, Chris, and still have your job at the end of the day? Yeah, you can. I mean, right. you're not allowed to be political at work. Right. And so that's kind of, and I think that's where, you know, some of the conversations that I've had with diehard fans is that I'm not there to watch these people express their political opinion. I'm there to watch them, you know, put their, their shoes into the ground, get their shoes onto the basketball court and make some points and, and make some, and really get the thing going. You know, they enjoy basketball and they enjoy football and they enjoy whatever sport because it's exhilarating. It's exciting. It's fandom. People love to be fans and they want to root for their, their own team. And it's that competitive nature. And, uh, but when you're, I mean, the NBA viewership has gone down 45% almost and NFL is down by 11%. You know, that's saying something. It says that your politics probably don't belong out there at your job. Um, and that's why yeah. I quit watching. I don't want to see the politics. I don't care what their politics are. Play the damn game. Yeah, I think a lot of people think that, uh, you know, especially kneeling for the anthem is is kind of a uh, tinderbox for emotions on both, you know, sides of the issue. And um, I think a lot of people are just saying, you know, hey, the football or the basketball is not as great as it used to be. There, You know, there's been a lot of rule changes to, you know, make the game safer or, you know, for one reason or another. And I think people are just finding other things to occupy their times with. And, you know, I think, you know, sports ball is, is huge. I mean, people will come back to it, but yeah. certainly the NFL, NBA, the, these leagues are going to have to make changes, uh, you know, to, to make sure that they are, um, you know, just being aware of their fan base, I think. Yeah. And they need to be, I mean, that's who's it's, it's because of the fans that they are able to pay these athletes, these outrageous and um, highly politicized and highly, um, um, well, they're showcased uh, salaries. I mean, these guys make millions yeah. upon millions of dollars. Well, and, and like I've said on the show here before is uh, I think a lot of people have the same opinion that I do is that we're, we're fine with the social activism, but we don't see the same um, amount of zealousness off the fields right. or off the courts that we do when the TV cameras are rolling. Right. And, yeah. and, and I, I know there's several, you know, uh, sports athletes that, that do do a lot for social causes. And I think that's awesome. Uh, but I think there are a lot of these folks that are out there that, you know, they're making millions of dollars a year. They have a platform when they're in front of the camera. So they, they do their, their bit and then they're done. Yeah. And there's, there's no follow up, like I said, off the court or off the field. Well, so that kind of stuff, I would sell though. That's why they, people don't want to see the good humanity things. They want to see the stuff that they hear about at the water tank, you know, when they're yeah. gossiping and that's sad. And, but that's what, that's what the media has found as a hot button. So they push it. And this is what we've now, you know, major associations like the NBA and the NFL are, are getting hit hard by it. As so we just but we're just get back to work like the rest of us. Well, yeah, and it's I'm talking it, politics at work. It would be nice. Well, and it is kind of funny too because some of these these organizations have seen some of their players um, hit the media for different reasons that include their player getting arrested for something that is highly yeah controversial. The, the, the hypocrisy on some of this stuff is ridiculous. Yes. I mean, if you were to look at domestic violence, um, mm. you know, within the particularly the NFL space, and I just go back to that because that's the one that I'm most familiar with right. seeing the headlines on. Um, you know, they have a huge problem with domestic violence um, yeah. within their own players' ranks, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I, you know, I, and it's good to have the conversation. Don't get me wrong. It, it's definitely good to have the conversation, well, but there there's is a time and place for that conversation though. Right. And, and those, the living glass houses shouldn't be throwing stones, you know? <laughs> no so, joke. Yeah. Uh, it's, 
so that's I think that's what gets me the most is it's their job. Just do your job and shut up. You know, it's, go throw the ball. Yeah, make your millions. Go throw the ball. You know, there's there's people in your the, some of these guys came from rough backgrounds. You know, they came from the oh, wrong, wrong side of the tracks, and here they are boasting. And it, it's kind of one of those things too, Chris. I don't. I'm sure you've known somebody that started at a company rock bottom. You know, entry level position, worked their way all the way to the top, only to forget that feeling of what it was like to start out. Like they've totally yeah lost relatability to those who are entry level. And some of these guys kind of give that feel to me like, yeah, I started off, you know, in the hood, but I'm better than that now. So I'm going to scream like I know what I'm talking about, but Mm -hmm. I'm so out of touch. I I really don't know anymore. I just can't wait till we can get back to where, you know, the biggest controversy in these sports things is like the end zone dance. I mean, you know, remember that with the NFL where it was like, oh, he did an end zone dance. Yes. That was against the rules and they're going to fine him. And I mean, was there anything in basketball ever like that? No, um, basketball doesn't have uh, it doesn't make the controversial news like football does, because football's got a bigger fandom to it, I believe. But you, mm-hmm. there's no end zone. I mean, when you make a basket, you grab the ball. You, yeah, you just go back and forth. And back and, well, and, they, right. and there's this, you know, this, the strategy is you get down to the other court before the other team does, so you have a free shot. And so, yeah, that's why I, I, I know that much about basketball. Come <laughs> well, on, I wasn't sure. But that's why you I know, like football. That you spend 30 minutes trying to make one, you know, make six points, <laughs> and 10 then yards. You can spend an yeah. hour going 10 yards in one direction, and somehow they make it work. And that's the only sport I know. You can take a 30 second, the last 30 seconds, and it will last. 10 minutes so it's like i got time uh, to get food and go to the bathroom and grab another yeah. drink and well and then basket fast. well but except for like what is the last two minutes where they stop the clock every they do you like know like every half a second yeah they can control the clock the, like, but you don't want to do that momentum is a huge part of basketball uh, right and football is it's like, oh, you know there's two minutes left this is going to take 30 minutes right. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a bit but that's why i like the basketball it's fast paced there's there's some really neat moves that can come out of it, but you know, like Jordan is a great example of how he really made basketball. He changed how people looked at basketball. It became almost an art form um, and a kind of like martial arts. He just did something powerful to it. And I don't, despite what anybody else says, nobody's done that to the sport since then. And I doubt anybody ever will, but he didn't bring his politics to the court. He brought his talent to the court and that's right. what you do. Have you watched the the series on him? No. Apparently, um, it's on one of the streaming things. We'll, we'll have to watch it and report on it for the show. But it's a six or eight part series and goes, you know, chronicles his life. And I've heard from other people that it's pretty good. So, I'd like to see although, one. although they say after you watch that, you kind of get the impression he's kind of a jerk, but. I think you have to be a jerk to be that good, <laughs> you know. Well, I know that you're so, taking crap from from people when you get to a certain point. Yeah, it's like when you win the lottery, all of a sudden you have friends and family from all corners of your earth, and you didn't even know they were there. So, um, but when you're that good, I mean, I don't know that I would be any different if I was. If yeah, tra- that's true. Try to keep the boundaries as strong as possible. So, all right, let's put this train back on the tracks here. (laughs) What's our next article? We got Proud Boys and BLM. I think I put this one in. I think you did too. This is. Uh, So, yeah, I saw this article down there, remember? uh, And this is up in Utah that the uh, there's a group called the Proud Boys. um, Proud Boys. What is that? So, so they're kind of the, and uh, I don't even, well, so there's Black Lives Matter. We all know, you know, what BLM is and, and what they stand for and, you know, um, a lot of controversy around Black Lives Matter because 
Um, there's been protesters and rioters that I, you know, I think have taken the Black Lives Matter name, but aren't really associated with them, and they right. cause property destruction and all that kind of stuff. And the Proud Boys basically, this is a group that shows up at, at riots and protests, and they just make try. They're trying to make sure that people aren't destroying shit. Okay, right. So they're kind of like so, the. Uh, a f- uh, official protest may uh, moderators facilitators yeah, security may, maybe not security is probably a better word for it, right um and so the media has kind of portrayed these proud boys as being you know sort of white supremacists and and uh, of course because they show up to something they have to be on the other side you know and and a lot of them happen to be white right so now the media trying to portray this in a, in a light. Well, the, you know, these, this group of proud boys has said, no, we're not white supremacists. We're just trying to make sure people don't break stuff when they, you know, when they have these big groups in public, because the police obviously aren't, you know, either there's not enough of them or they've decided to just let them do whatever. So uh, they held a joint conference here in Utah and they said that they denounce white Mm -hmm. supremacy. Um, The interesting thing was the group that the group of, I, I don't know, but the, the, the group of this proud boys, apparently it's, if you read through the article, the national version of proud boys said that they don't have anything to do with this group in Utah, but you know, it wasn't an official thing from them, but anyhow, so I just thought it was nice to see, you know, two groups that I think are misunderstood, you know, uh, and that have, you know, extremist fractions sort of attached to them. Um, I think it's nice to see, see them coming together and having, um, you know, a joint conference in one place and having a conversation instead of an argument. And that's really good. I'm just, I'm getting concerned as to why somebody, one group has to denounce something else for another group to prove themselves. Like, isn't it the fact that they're just there to prevent the violence, you know, protest and get your message out there. Just don't break crap in the process. But yeah, to do I think that, the, to be to be legit in that they have to say, well, we I mean, we might be white, but we denounce white supremacy. Of course they do. Like, right. Who's going to come out? I'm just kind of concerned because that was a big well, thing I mean, there, other, there's other areas. Some, yeah, I think that the numbers of people like KKK that are still left, I think, are relatively well, low. Right. But yeah, I mean, know. they're out there. I've, I've been to to Harrison. Arkansas, I think, is where that is. I believe it's Arkansas. That's the birthplace of the KKK in there's. It's a weird, there's a few towns, a handful of towns in that area. It's a little weird to be in because uh, if you're an mm-hmm. outsider, it's also like you might as well be of a different skin color because there is a different, like, oh, they, they clearly well, tell yeah. I'm not from here. I'm kidding. Yeah, in the, in the South, they, they know <laughs> who's the locals and who's the outsiders. Right. And so there's and, that subculture out there. But unfortunately, and I hate to say this and you hate to think it because in the day and age that we're in today, there are going to be racist groups out there. They're just not culturally sound. They're not okay. So they are hiding and they are going to continue to hide because they are not okay to be out there. So you're not going to get rid of it no matter what you do. Right. It's a culture for somebody somewhere out there. Um, and so it's, it's obvious that they're not going to come out. I mean, it, it would be just, just think of how the news would eat that crap up. If somebody came out and said, we're a white supremacist organization, you know, we're going to take over and, we're going to start looting and rioting and, but you'd have an entire nation against that kind of thing. Like, no, there wouldn't be, it it would not be a popular. uh, Well, then then you've got instances with the media who tries to take Trump's comments out of context to try and make him look like a white supremacist after the whole 
thing, right? I, I think, you know, I, yeah. uh, there were people there that wanted to pull that statue down. There were people there that didn't want it to pull down. And yeah. Trump was just saying, you know, like there was a conversation to be had on both sides of the aisle there. Mm-hmm. And you know, they took his literal words and, you know, tried to make, portray him as a white supremacist, which I, uh, I don't truly believe he is, you know, no, I don't, I, mean, I think he's a, I think he's a jackass. I don't think he's a motivational speaker. I don't, he, I don't think he's, he's no Tony, <laughs> Tony, Robbins. Uh, what's his name? Tony, Tony Robbins. Robbins yeah. If there's somebody on the ledge of a building looking to jump, Trump is not probably going to be the one I'm going to suggest we use All to right. save the kid's life. How about that? So, so, <laughs> so let's role play that for a second. Cause he would just stand there and go, you know, if you jump, you're going to die. I'm right. You know, I'm right. I mean, it's you know, I'm right. If you jump, you're going to die. I'm right. And clearly you're a nice guy. <laughs> clearly there's no doubt. Of, I mean, there's no evidence of anything, but clearly nothing you've done is all that bad. You're fine. Come on. Like, yeah. You're not going to get yourself. off the ledge. You're not going to do it. There's just no, it's like, I'd be at that point. I'd be like, if you don't mind, I really am going to jump now. <laughs> like, <laughs> get off the ledge before I charge your family tariffs. <laughs> build a wall. So, I'll build a wall. So you can't jump. Right? I'll fix this. So clearly he's not, um, the world's best rhetorician. I have said that from the get go, but um, we also, I mean, being that, that being said, it you shouldn't have to work so hard to decipher his messages either. I've heard him several times and it's like, I know what you're trying to say, Trump. And there was a really yeah. much better way to say that, but go you, you, right. and that's the thing. He is being himself. And that's what we're all saying. That's the big trend in life is be who you are. And that's, we have to accept you for who you are unless you're this way. And Trump well, is you a know, jackrabbit. I mean, there's he's he's not the most likable person in the room, but he's done a really good job. Yeah. But but I think at the end of the day, when the dust is settled and the history books are written, Trump is going to come across. Well, if the history book isn't written by some left wing liberal, I mean, if it's written without bias, right. which maybe won't ever happen. Right. But I think at the end of the day, if you were to write an authentic history of the Trump presidency. Um, I think the word authentic would come out in, in the conversation. I think, I think he is one of the most authentic people that we've had as, as a politician um, in, in my memory, at least. And even from reading in history, you know, I think, you know, some of the uh, politicians like Teddy Roosevelt were were very authentic. You have, you know, Eisenhower, uh, you know, I think you have a few examples of people that were truly authentic, but I think we've had a string of politicians in the last 20 years that are very good at working the media. They were very good at, at, you know, messaging and things like that. And, uh, I mean, you know, I mean, Bill Clinton was getting, you know, sexual favors in the white house and we still didn't kick him out. Right. I I mean, how inauthentic can you be? I mean, he is the, 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 you know, the, the height of the, inauthentic. you know, people thought he was one way and he was really something else. And, you know, I think, you know, I'm not saying that anything's happening with Trump like that, and, but I think he'd just be like, yeah, so what? Yeah. Y- you know, and quite honestly, I really don't care who's sleeping with who. I want somebody to run the country that's for the, the, the greater good, not for some of these people and maybe some of those people and a little bit of those, but for overall. And I think Trump has done, you know, a pretty darn good job of that, giving, and he's gone through some, pretty challenging things that he didn't have to go through. Some of these challenges have been given oh, to yeah. him. Um, I mean, if this had been Obama, you wouldn't see this crap happening right now. No, I just don't think he'd have the, quite the challenges that he didn't have quite the challenges Trump has, but right. it's. So uh, speaking of inauthentic people, 
uh, how about Michigan's governor there? So this is, I, I shouldn't say this is hilarious because I've heard people, you know, say Trump has COVID. I hope he dies. But so they, the Michigan governor, her name is Gretchen Whitmer. And she's, we've talked about her a few times on the show before because she's kind of become the Nazi governor of the United States. That's what her rep has now come to. And that's unfortunate. She's a white female. She's in a leadership role. And she has a very negative connotation attached to her right now. I'm really surprised they have not memed her as the wicked witch of the North at this point. <laughs> um, but now I've seen a couple of different reports. The one that we have on the show notes this time said there was um, six men that are facing potential life sentences for an elaborate plan to kidnap Gretchen Whitmer, the Democratic governor of Michigan. They were going to put her on trial for treason. Kid you not. So they've, and I don't know, there's an FBI affidavit that is available on the link, um, but apparently it was this really high-end plot, and they decided, I guess there's a couple different options that they were trying to go with. It's a right-wing militia type of mm -hmm. group, or it looks like that's what they are seeming to become, but they had one of two options. They decided they were either going to kidnap her or they were going to execute her on her doorstep. Wow. And it's like, holy <laughs> crow. Now, you got to understand, in Michigan... This governor probably put the toughest restrictions on her state during this COVID pandemic of any in the U.S. Mm -hmm. You couldn't even drive in your car with somebody without having a mask on. You can't cross state lines. Everything was very much, you can't do anything without a mask. You can't do this. You can't do that. And I mean, when you put people in that kind of lockdown and they're not okay with it, you're going to make them crazy. You know, it's Yeah, like, the crazy, crazy comes out, oh, doesn't it? Oh, it does. And these guys... We're tired and fed up with it. I'm surprised. I mean, honestly, I'm really surprised there's not a woman in this group. They, I've seen reports that there were 13. So this particular um, this particular link only talks about the the six guys that are facing the potential life sentence. So there there may yeah. be um, some others in there that haven't gone that far yet. Maybe they are just starting to get on the track with them. But but it isn't doesn't appear from the article that her gender was the cause of this, right? Just I mean, her it was, decision making. Just yeah, it was decision. truly what she did has caused or you know supposedly uh, yeah i think it's it's a good conversation to have because i think as you look around america i mean we we build this you know we build this foundation on freedom right and when you restrict that freedom that's when uh people start to get you know a little crazy and um you know the covid has certainly challenged that and i'm you know i certainly this isn't the right way to go about things but uh, it's something that I think we have to start being more worried about as things well, move on. And I you think know? It, it goes to show that when you put restrictions on people, when they've had the opportunity to make their choices, you 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 set up for failure. You really do. Right. And so she kind of signed the the execution portion of this plan when she put these things into effect. And her people told her, stop doing this to us. You know, they were yeah. not going along quietly they were screaming into the night at her and she wasn't listening and and so i mean it's i don't want to say she deserved it because that's not the case i think there was not a lot of of um forward thinking in this whole let's just lock everybody down let's strap everybody down with a mask until i say otherwise right and it, i mean well, it, it's like she was playing mom to a bunch of teenagers who broke the rules and now we're on complete lockdown in our bedrooms 
Yeah. I mean, I I can see this from both sides because from the leadership standpoint, you know, you don't lock everybody down and then you're inundated with lawsuits because we're so sue happy in this country. The other extreme is just lock everybody down and have minimal risk. Right. Well, Um, see, and there's so many opinions and I haven't seen, you know, when you're talking about the pandemic and I disagree, I don't think it's a pandemic. Um, you know, I have people disagree with me on that and that's fine where we should be able to disagree, but it's not like if you've seen the movie contagion, this, this thing is not like that, where you have hours to live once you get this virus, yeah. it's, it's got a very high survivability rate to the point where it's almost not killing the amount of people that it once was in the beginning of it all. And so the fact that we don't have a high uh, mortality rate attached to this tells me, okay, it's very similar to the flu. It's similar to the cold. It's similar to these other things. And these other things will kill people too with compromised immune systems. You know, somebody with AIDS or HIV, they get a cold and they're in deep trouble. It just yeah. it depends on where they're at well, in their sickness. You know, and certainly the lockdowns have caused, you know, mental stress for people. And, and oh. it, it's really sad. I, I know of two teenagers now in the last week who have committed suicide in our local yeah, area. I do too, actually. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's really, really sad. It is. And it's, it, it, I think this was done in, I think the mask thing was entirely wrong, but I'm one of those people too. I don't think we should be forced to wear seatbelts. It's one of those things where we know the risk. If we want to put that risk in our hands, great, but we accept the consequences to that as well. So you're telling me. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of split on that. I mean, you know, I'm cars have changed a lot since, you know, they were, uh, you know, fifties and, and sixties. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of safety features on cars and I mean, as an engineer, some of those safety features will hurt you worse if you don't have a seatbelt on because it's designed to work as a system. Right. That's where I was going you, you with know. that. Exactly. You should so have that. I, I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of in favor of the seatbelt and the, and the helmet law kind of oh, stuff. I wear a seat but, belt. Don't get me wrong. Um, I would still wear mine because I, yeah, I want yeah. to wear it. That's um, I've, but I've had one that damn, it's, I, I was in an accident back when I was 16 and um, the seatbelt saved my life. It did cause me a lot of injury, but had I not been wearing the seatbelt, I would have gone through the windshield of the Volkswagen. My girlfriend was driving. Right. She and I both would have gone through the windshield. Gone for a different kind of ride. Right. She was going to hit the street because the way that we hit this, uh, we were in a little Volkswagen and the, the driver that turned in front of us prematurely was in a grand Jeep Cherokee. And mm-hmm. she would have hit the street had she not been wearing her seatbelt after going through the windshield. And she probably would have survived. They right. they said the seatbelt saved my life because I would have gone through her windshield and then I would have entered into the, the SUV and the impact of both vehicles probably would have killed me mm-hmm. because we had these big old bruises across our bodies from the seatbelts because we'd hit, we were going, I think 55 or 65 and she turned directly in front of us. And so it was, it was a massive impact, but that it did save my life. Even though I didn't want to wear it that night, my girlfriend made me wear it. Right. And it's, so I'm, I'm for me, I would wear it, but I don't think that it's situations like that where, you know, the risk, you take the risk into your own accord, but you got to will, be willing to face the circumstances and not sue afterward to your sue happy point of this nation. Yeah. But there's, there's a big jump between, okay, regulating seatbelt use, which is a safety thing, which, you know, yeah. Um, I mean, you can argue both sides of that sure, too. Yeah you know, locking everybody down so that nobody leaves the house. Right. So, uh, there's a huge difference yes, in your civil is. liberties there. Yes, there um, is. You know, the, the difference being that 
you know, if you don't get in a car, you you know, you don't have to wear the seatbelt right. because it's a choice you make to get in a car. Now you can argue that you really can't get anywhere in America without a car, <laughs> most right. you know, unless you're in the city. But you know, when you start locking people in their houses and, and restricting their movement, that's that's an entirely different kind of violation of our civil uh, liberties. I agree. Uh, pandemic or not, you know, and uh, and it's up to the government to you know ensure that people are know the risks. I think. Um, and that, you know, precautions are taken where possible, but, um, this whole crazy lockdown thing, I think is well beyond the, uh, you know, the control, uh, that they should have had. And, um, and I think what you're going to see is if, you know, the governors and, and the local authorities don't smarten up, um, and start giving people back their civil rights, uh, I think you're going to see a lot of unrest in this country. And I I think that we're just starting to see the beginnings of that. Um, And the the thing that I worry about is once that starts, it's it's a hard train to stop. Yeah, you've seen the movie Purge, right? Yeah, I've seen parts of it. I haven't seen the whole thing, but... I think we're um, getting to something where that kind of unrest, if we keep up with this kind of... And I don't think we'll keep up with it. I think at some point, if... I think we've got a society that'll say, you know what, forget your mask mandate. I'm not wearing it. Cause right now I've, I've not been anywhere retail wise in Derby and Wichita where I've been forced to wear the mask. I haven't even been told right. to wear it. So yeah. even the business are like, we'll put up the security theater stuff we're supposed to put up, but right. we're not going to force, we will take your money except for Best Buy. Mm-hmm. Best Buy was the only one. That, oh, and Costco. Costco still uh, makes see, I haven't been to Costco because I've been yeah. told the same thing, so I won't walk in there. But I went to Best Buy, and I probably shouldn't. I mean, it's it's already out there on Facebook and everything, but um, went into Best Buy, and they're like, you need to be wearing a mask. I'm like, no, I really don't. But they're like, well, you can't shop here. It's like, let me ask you. So if you're telling me if I don't put this mask on and I want to buy something, you're not going to take my money from me? And they're like, <laughs> no, we won't. You'll just make you sit in the car. Like, for real, to you're, take it. you don't want my money. I'm going to spend money here. They're like, no, we need you to wear a mask. I'm like, well, then I'm, I'm not, I'll wear a mask, but I ain't buying anything now. I'll get it from Amazon. That yeah. works for me. And, and they're already a struggling company anyway. So you would think that this would not be on their list of priority, but yeah. that's how I also feel like businesses should be able to run the way they run a run, even if they run themselves into the ground. That's kind of part well, of the strategy. Yeah. So we got something on here about Bill Murray. Have, we haven't heard from Bill Murray in a while. No, we, well, in a long while, actually. Um, I think see. the last thing I saw him in was he did a Super Bowl ad, right, for, for Jeep? That was um, two years ago that now? That sounds familiar. The last time I saw him, yeah. I made a meme out of him for my brother on Facebook, but because that's my brother's favorite person in the world, I think. Love me some Bill Murray. You know, my favorite Bill Murray story is uh, he went up to somebody in like a McDonald's, you know, and ate a fry off their tray and looked them straight in the eye and said, no one will ever believe you. <laughs> yeah, that's my favorite Bill Where Murray. Where did you hear that from? I, I read that somewhere. There's a there's an article out there about great things about Bill Murray, and oh it's that's God. one of those things that in there. That is awesome, and I believe it. I, and you know what? That would be so, it'd be one of those stories where you want to tell somebody and they're like, that didn't happen. Just as he said, yeah. no one will believe you. But did you know that Bill Murray has a line of golf shirts? I did not know that. Uh, no, actually I did not know so, that. Oh yeah. Apparently he has a line of golf shirts and, uh, and he used um, some, I think it was some music uh, to that's the, promote it. That's what the article and, says. By a specific group. 
Yeah. And, uh, and <laughs> so it was a Doobie Brothers song, right. apparently. So well, Bill you, Murray's. Do you know the Doobie Brothers Le- really well? Are you a fan of the Doobie Brothers? Uh, I mean, I know of them. I've heard their music. I'm not like, you know, I'm not uh, really up on the history, I guess. <laughs> me either. So this will be fun. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to give me some nugget of wisdom here. No, I was hoping you did. I was hoping you had this. So apparently the lead, and then to be fair, this isn't Bill Murray himself, but it's Bill Murray's legal office or legal team or whatever. I got into a fight with the legal team from the Doobie Brothers because the Doobie Brothers sent this cease and desist letter to Bill Murray's legal team. And basically they, they trade jabs back and forth about how ugly the shirts are and how bad the music is. <laughs> and it's just used, very Bill Murray-ish. They used apparently from what I'm reading here, and I'm not, again, I'm not familiar with the Doobie Brothers, but it looks like in the back and forth, Murray's legal team used song titles or song lyrics to come back at them as part of the, just the normal jargon. Right. Like what is, um, what did, what did they say? Where's that? Um, oh, the quote, this is where, this is the part where I'm supposed to cite the United States Copyright Act excoriate you for not complying with some subparagraph that I'm too lazy to look up and threaten you with eternal damnation for doing so. But you already earned that with those Garfield movies and you can't use those in the ads without paying for it. No, that's not the one I wanted to read. So that, that was talking about Bill Murray. Yeah, that, that was the letter to Bill Murray. And they were, they were <laughs> digging on him for those Garfield movies that he was yes. in that were terrible. Well, then they, they the, what did they say? What is, um, Oh, first, I'd like to compliment you on finding levity in the law at a time when the world in this country certainly could use a laugh. <laughs> your, yeah. client, your, your client's demand was able to cut through the noise of the news cycle and remind us how much we all miss live music these days. <laughs> <laughs> but like it goes on to say, we would also like to confirm that both our film and the good folks at William Murray Golf are indeed fans of the Doobie Brothers music, which is why we appreciate your firm's choice of taking it to the streets streets (laughs) rather than to the courts, which is already overburdened minute minute by minute, minute, which is another (laughs) song with real problems. And those, I believe those are actual Doobie Brothers songs, which is why it's so funny. (laughs) So it's funny, but reading this letter, it doesn't sound like they're, I think they're just doing this for publicity. I think Uh, these two lawyers probably know each other and they were having a beer and they're like, Hey, wouldn't it be funny (laughs) if we did this? And we, we could probably get a news article out of it. Now. Well, and then it, <laughs> it's right. funny you mentioned that because the next quote in the in the uh, article says, in the immoral words of Mr. Murray, the more relaxed you are, the better you are at everything. So let's pour <laughs> one up and unwind with a listen of the recently released Quadio box set and plan to cross paths at the Doobie Brothers 50th anniversary show in 2021 when some some level of normalcy re- resumes. So you, you kind of have to wonder if this wasn't like a Murray humor thing. Oh, yeah. Like, because he's always got relaxed humor. Like he never actually responds to his own stuff. And he's just like, yeah, I said right. it. And that's how it, I just said it. No big deal. The, the, the best part though, is at the end, did you see what retribution they offered? No, what was it? <laughs> it said the letter ends with Murray's golf company, apologizing for the mistake <laughs> and asking for shirt sizes to send the all, whole office to make things right. So the, the letter starts out with the lawyer telling him how ugly the golf shirts are. And then at the end, Murray's lawyer comes back and says, Hey, we'll send you some free ugly golf shirts. I, I just, yeah. This is, this, is just how, would, this is how legal stuff should work. It should be. It, right. It should, but it, it doesn't ever. No. And then maybe that's half the problem. Well, and, you know, I like, <laughs> like they said, the more relaxed you are, the better you are at everything. And so it's, yeah. 
Good point. It's, and you know, that's, that's such a strong way to, to put things in. Um, I think it's, it's a worthwhile statement for everybody to keep in mind that, cause we get really anxious and that's like the new, I can't say it's a new buzzword, but it is the ongoing buzzword. I'm so anxious and I have all this anxiety and um, it's like, relax. You do better if you just chill out. And Murray knows this probably better than anybody. He's like the most Zen person, even in, even in the high <laughs> yeah. impact type of movies, like Ghostbusters wasn't exactly a Zen movie, but he was, he was all like, he was like yeah, yeah, everybody's freaking out. And he's just like, all right, let's go blow it up. <laughs> I got slimed. You know, just I got slimed. He's like, oh my yeah. God, I've been slimed. He's like, I got slimed. Yeah. <laughs> he's a genius. He is awesome. It's time to work that career and lift and push and lift and push. You got it. Now harder, lift and push. It's the career workout. A couple of episodes ago, we were talking about um, interviewing, and I actually had somebody that was talking to me. I had recently interviewed for another position in my company, and I was able to accept the position. And um, somebody had asked me about my interview skills and how I interview because they hate doing interviews, right? And none of us really like interviewing for a new role. We you get really nervous. You're afraid of what questions you're going to be asked and if you'll be able to think in the moment to answer those questions. And because you always kind of think back after an interview, oh, I wish I'd answered that differently now and it's too late. You know, there's no going back on the interview. Um, and so in a time where I'm seeing all these now hiring signs and my son is out trying to find a job and his girlfriend's out trying to find a job and other professionals I know are looking for jobs. It seems like there's a lot of transition in the workplace too, in terms of uh, the actual position. And so I thought I would mm -hmm. go into a little bit of, um, I found an article that talks about, what is that title? The four most important interview skills. And so I'm going to run through these really quickly. And then I'm going to add my own three tips that hopefully I will have on my blog here in a, in a few more days. Um, but the, um, you know, going into an interview, if you have, if you don't understand what emotional intelligence or emotional agility or you know, however you want to say, because I know you don't like that term, Chris, and I try not to use it around you if I can, <laughs> but I, you can use it. I'm just going <laughs> to chuckle in my head every time I hear you say it. I know, it. that's why I'm like, God, I can hear him laughing. <laughs> <laughs> so going into a emotional intelligence is huge when you go into an interview. And I, I can say that because I know with my physiological response to an interview is you know, sweaty, clammy palms. And I start to feel my heart race and my, my voice will actually, I can feel it trying to skip. Like my voice won't be fluid. And so I know that I do this every time I interview for the most part, or I had, now I'm just getting to the point where I'm too old to care. But for those of us out there, when you interview, and especially for a job you think you really, really want, you get really nervous and anxious and excited or, you know, and it can cause you to, to make some dummy moves. And so, um, the, in terms of the in terms of the interview skills, um, the number one skill that is listed on this article from where is this from? This is from Randstad Rise Smart. Not familiar with them yet, but I'll get familiar with them. Um, the number one is communicate a clear and strong personal brand, and I like this personal brand. And Chris, I hear this a lot from you, and I've heard it a lot at work. Um, yeah. And the personal brand, people may not understand what that is. And you, you brought that term to my attention, I think. So I want you to go into that for me. Cause I think it was great the way that you presented that to me the first time. Yeah. I mean, before I go into personal brand though, I just want to, you know, the, the whole thing, when you go into an interview and you start sweating and you're, you know, you're, you know, you're 
you just like, you know, the anxiousness builds up in you and you're mm-hmm. starting to get sweaty and you can, you can feel your chest tightening, you know, yeah. I mean, those are, those are physiological responses to, you know, a chemical change in your brain. Right. right. Um, because, you know, we go into the fight or flight mode yep. and when you're going into an interview, you obviously can't you know, run away from it. (laughs) So your body transitions into that fight mode. And that's just the sort of things that happen when, when your body goes through that changes. So, um, you know, I I don't have any really great words of wisdom on how to relax before an interview, but uh, I'm sure we could come up with something and talk about that in a future show. But, you know, maybe off the cuff, I would just say, you know, what would Bill Murray do? You know, (laughs) I mean, because, I think it, uh, it it comes down a lot to if you're at the stage of an interview, it's your job to lose, I think, right? Because if they're going to take the time to bring you in a room and have, you know, number of people talk to you, mm-hmm. you've obviously passed all of the initial gates, right? You would think so, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So, and, and, you know, that's to, that's to say if the job is really there for you. Because I think sometimes you get interviewed just to be interviewed because they've already picked out who they want, right? Yes. So when you don't get the job in that case, you're just like, eh, well, I was never going to get it anyhow, but it was good experience. And that I think that's how you have to look at it. But Yeah. Um, Agreed. But yeah, getting back to personal brand, I mean, you know, everything you do is part of your personal brand. Um, you know, if you think about a company like um, Target or like you were talking about Best Buy has a personal, you know, has a brand. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you think about a brand, you're like, what does the store look like? Is it, is it cluttered? Is it clean? Is it, um, you know, is it an upscale brand? Is it a, is it a, uh, you know, is it a bargain brand? You know, so you can think about those attributes of, of different retail places maybe that you go to, um, you know, and so your personal brand is when somebody thinks about you in the workplace, what are the attributes that come to their mind? Right. Are you a go-getter? Um, are you just, you know, some people are just quiet and they just chug out and get their stuff done. Um, are you a leader or not? Um, you know, all of those sorts of things. I mean, are you are you reliable? Are you dependable? Um, you know, when you show up, are you going to show up one day in sweatpants and the next day in a, in a three-piece suit, right? Yes. Uh, you know, those sorts of things are your personal brand. Um, and so, you know, those things really... It's interesting because those things, I think, uh, have a lot more influence on your career than you really realize. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, when companies are downsizing specifically, um, you know, managers will have those conversations about about people. And oftentimes what they're talking about with somebody is that person's personal brand, yeah. you know, and, it, and they may think of a specific instance about this happened or that happened, um, you know, good or bad. Right. Right. Um, but in general, the overarching conversation is really about that person's per- personal brand. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it's, it's, in, it's interesting. You know, you've heard the, you know, you're always on a job interview, even after you get the job, treat each day like you're on the interview, um, which I think has some good and bad messaging. But, you know, I think you, you really just want to be cognizant of, you know, what service are you providing to your employer and how are they perceiving you? Yep. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you can think about it in those terms, I think it's pretty easy to go, okay, well, you know, I'm going to do X, Y, or Z. And that's my personal brand. Yeah. Um, You know, I mean, there are some people that are like part of their personal brand is they are super joyful. You know, they are over cheery. Uh, You know, think about like Chick-fil-A, you know, every time you go to Chick-fil-A, they hand you, you know, the 
the milkshake, my pleasure, you, you know? know, and it, it's almost the point where, you know, if you're at Chick-fil-A enough, you're like, that'll kind of irritate you, stop. right? You're just like, <laughs> stop being so happy, you know, just tone it down a notch, you know, just give me my fries, you know? Um, but, you know, I think your, your personal brand is pretty important and it's, it's important enough to really think about and maybe jot some stuff down on paper and, you know, and, and really what do you want your personal brand to look like? Because yeah. I mean, I've seen people in the workforce that um, they spent a lot of time making sure they looked nice yeah. and they carried a nice looking leather, you know, notepad thing around. And the way they walked was, you know, very purposeful and, and, you know, made sure they're always going somewhere at, at a pretty good clip. Yeah. Um, and they weren't worth a the crap. They, yeah. they were just useless, uh, to everybody else around them. But those are the ones that got promoted uh, because their personal brand gave the persona that they were better than some of these other candidates. Right. And so, um, you know, and I think another conversation to have would be for um, in, you know, in companies, if you're a manager is to read between the lines of somebody's personal brand, because it's very easy to get sort of snowballed uh, by somebody's personal brand. And, yes. and, you know, and, and that should be a red flag to a manager. Somebody's personal brand is too much of a show and doesn't really represent who they really are. Um, then, then there should be a huge red flag to somebody and, and you should, you should really consider carefully before you advance that person into another role or to a, to a role of more responsibility. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. I also, there's, um, people out there with their personal, but they don't pay attention to their personal brand. And then they wonder why they're not getting noticed. Right. Yeah. There's that too. They can't seem to figure out if I don't look the part. Um, So there, there's some blending there that needs to be taking place. You got to have a need to care about your personal appearance and doesn't need to be looking like everybody else, but um, at least have, have some sort of a polished look to you that says that it it shows who you are and your reflect, your personal brand should reflect who you are to some degree. Um, oh, absolutely. And, you know, the ones that I always, uh, you know, the ones that throw up the red flags for me are, like you said, the ones that, you know, don't pay attention to their professional, you know, their personal brand. And then they wonder, you know, why are they not advancing? And then they, you know, I think a lot of times you see where these people become, where they feel entitled, right? Like yeah. the world's out to get them and they're not advancing because, you know, of whatever external reason. And they, yeah. they don't really truly look and go, Oh, well, my, you know, my attitude, might all things being bit. equal, <laughs> this other person dresses nicer than I do, or this other person speaks more professionally than I do. And maybe that's, what's holding me back. Not, you know, some other external force, like, yeah. you know, well, I think attitude, racism or cronyism or whatever. A big part of it. I know there's two individuals at work that I had spoken to who were really jaded because they had not moved up the way that they wanted to. And they couldn't figure out why. And they were just constantly negative in my interactions with them, not negative towards me. They were just overall general demeanor was very negative. My company never does this this way. And they never do it this way. And I'm never listened to. And to both of them at two different unique times, it's like, well, do you think that maybe your attitude has part of the blame for you not excelling? And they're like, well, it's not my fault. I'm this way. The company made me this way. They didn't do right. what they were supposed to do. It's like, I think that's exactly what we're talking about here. <laughs> yeah. like, do you hear yourself yeah. speaking right now? And one of them actually really looked at himself and thought, uh-oh, maybe maybe I am Does a little bit the light bulb jaded. come on? Yeah. The other one was just <laughs> yeah. like, I don't know what you're talking about. I just know you're logical, so you must be right. It's like, that's all. Right. That's not helping. <laughs> you're just go about your way. And yeah. so, so 
it, you know, I think I think it's totally important to take take some time and, you know, a couple hours at least and really think about your personal brand and what you yes. want it to be. And, you know, the good thing is you can change it yeah. relatively simply. And and there's not a lot of effort that you have to put into putting together a good personal brand, yeah. you know. Well, just be, um, just be a polished version of you. Just present your best self. That's right. part of it, you yep. know, and that's. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, and I think you explained it super well. And I, I, I think it's very clear as to what that, that hopefully coming out of that, somebody can say, hey, I know what I need to do at work now because I look like a slob and I'm going to clean it up a little bit. Yeah. But, you know, I do want to reiterate, though, um, when we're talking about branding and whether you're talking about branding for a company or, you know, or yourself, a personal brand, um, consistency is key. Yes. Um, and so in marketing, we, we put together a document called brand standards and the brand standards are what help you become consistent, you know, across different kinds of media, um, you know, across, uh, you know, basically defining an exact color, right? Like right. UPS has a brown. Yep. That brown that you see in the UPS trucks is a very specific brown um, and, and it's not to be deviated from, right? right. Um, and so consistency is key when you're talking about a brand. So, Absolutely. you know, really sit down, write your own personal brand standards um, and then and then stick to them. And, you know, the thing with people is you're not going to be on point with that 100 percent of the time. But yeah. try and make it as consistent as you can. Absolutely. Yeah. Consistency is definitely key. That's that's what builds the brand for you is is that being consistency. Well, in another part of the brand and this goes into, you know, the uh, the second uh, point in this article is to tell a compelling story. And so part of your brand is, is not just what you present at work. It's what you present out there to the general social media public. And whether you want to like it or not, your employers are, especially if you're going into an interview, a lot of them are going to troll your accounts on social media. It could be your LinkedIn profile. It could be your Facebook page, your Twitter feed. It could be whatever's out there. People Google each other all the time. And so um, I know there's, I'm involved in a lot of different Facebook groups and some of it's just kind of like my little private release. I know who's in the group so I can sit there and I can kind of stir the pot a little bit and then leave and let everybody else blow up. That's kind of fun for me. Um, and there's times where I have an opinion <laughs> and I start typing out my opinion. It's like, oh, I don't know who's going to see this. This is a page with a lot of people and I have no control how it's going to be moved. So I'm just going to delete that <laughs> and not post that because I'm pretty sure, you know, especially if I've been trying to move to a new position at work, I've been very cognizant of, I don't know who my new boss knows and I don't know how yeah. they're connected. So I really need to be careful before I start spouting something off. Um, but to make sure that I'm not putting myself in a position that I can't get out of and can't control. And right. so it's, if any position that you're in, be, you gotta be really careful as to what you're putting out there and having been a hiring manager before in working to help my hiring managers in the past, I have Facebook trolled. And if you, if you're old enough to remember MySpace, we trolled on those two back in the day. Um, and you really look at some of the things that we saw on uh, that these people were putting out in public. We're thinking, no, we don't want that representing the company because our company yeah. is a, a very public company. We have a lot to do with the community. We can't have that attached to our name. So we probably need to take that into consideration. And they would be people who wouldn't interview very well either. There was one, <laughs> one instant, instance where we were interviewing for this girl or interviewing this gal and um, her Facebook profile, just really great, beautiful shot, like a professionally done headshot, you know, seemed to be very articulate on her Facebook page and her LinkedIn page. Bring her in and she looked horrible. Oh no. It was it. We're you like, got catfished. right. We're like, is that the same per? And it was the same person. When you go back and look, you're like, yeah, this, these things are there. And 
okay. And so my, my boss at the time was like, why didn't the Facebook version of her come in here? I would have hired <laughs> that. Like, I don't, I'm still confused as to what just happened. This was not, you had like a, almost like a beauty queen professionally looking person on this Facebook profile. And then in walks this plain Jane from the streets. It looks like, did, are you homeless? Are you okay? <laughs> what is happening here? And so she branded one thing on social media, but her personal brand with face-to-face was not nearly as good. And so you got to be very careful about what you put out there for everybody to see. Because it's, once it's on the internet, you have no control over it. No matter if it's, I have a website and I know that I can't control what's out there because you can share stuff off of my website. I sure mm-hmm. can't control Facebook. Mark Zuckerberg can hardly control Facebook. And so you got to be really careful what you put out there for the world to see, because they are going to associate that to your personality and your uh, abilities whether you like it or not. And right. so you got to be very careful about what you put out there before the interview. And once you're hired, there are a lot of people out there and we've seen it all over the media. Somebody posted something, somebody Twittered something, somebody Snapchat something or TikToked it or whatever the, whatever yeah. app you want to go with. And they were promptly fired for it. And they did great work. Yeah. So, I mean, that gets into cancel culture too, right? Oh, like we were really quick to cancel yeah. it, but that's a whole nother conversation. We're going to do a whole yeah, show I'd, on that one sometime. Holy crow. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree with you that, uh, you know, certainly um, we need to make sure that, uh, you know, the, again, that brand that we're telling is is what we want our employers to see. And, yeah. you know, I feel bad for kids these days because, you know, they have a party in high school or college and, you know, some employer 10 years oh. later is going to go back and, find those see that. you know I, to me i don't think some of that stuff is all that bad i mean some people think that that stuff's just devastating and i i don't you know think it's as as bad i mean you know i, I think there's got to be some understanding that you know when you're in high school or college you're making different decisions that you do now if you're 40 and had a party last week and you know you're three sheets to the wind on facebook right. then m- maybe that's not so optimal right but or at least know how to control it. i mean i don't know there's just no way to control it there's not there's a picture of one of my former co-workers and she was young she was in her early 20s and i mean like 2021 ish maybe shouldn't have been drinking but maybe was drinking yeah. and she had to hide a photo of her of uh, she had forgotten that we were all facebook friends from the office including our boss and right. she's like, uh-oh, you know what? I better go cover up this photo. And we're like, well, what's the photo? She's like, well, it's it's me relieving myself in a bathtub. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah you might. To be out there. Considering you're the face of the company, she was our receptionist. Yeah. So she was the first thing that you saw when you walked in. It's like, yeah, you might. Yeah. So like on this number down. two, tell a compelling story. I, I thought yeah. it was going to say when you're in your interview. Um, well, I guess it does say it, through your interview answers, paint yeah. a clear and compelling picture. And I, I think it having storytelling skills is, is important in an interview. And I think it's important as, to notice that not everybody uh, is as good as that as other people. So, yeah, you got to uh, be able to, it's, it's keeping the conversation is what that is. And so there's those awkward moments where, and this is important, the tips that I provide that whole, tell me about yourself. Right. What, what do you want to know? It's like, yeah, <laughs> no, no, this is your opportunity to be like, well, I'm a mom or I'm this or I'm that, or I right. went to school or, you know, whatever, Whatever makes yeah. you you, that's your opportunity. But it's a lot of people misunderstand that though to think this is like almost like it's almost like a speed dating question and it's really not designed to learn about you. It's tell me about yourself in terms of this position is the right. unspoken part of that. It's a tricky question and it's actually a it's a tr- it's a question that's actually a trap and I can go into that later. But yeah, you well, then, 
And the next thing here is identify measurable accomplishments, yes. which I think is important. And, you know, I, I, I think it's totally acceptable to have a cheat sheet for this, right? right? I mean, you should, you know, have your resume, you know, whenever you go to these interviews, bring a printed off copy of your resume. In fact, bring several in case somebody else in the interview room needs a copy. But, you know, you can also have a cheat sheet with some of these uh, sort of vital statistics, I think, that would uh, help your case out. Well, yeah, and these are the things that you've done at your at a previous employer or current employer that made a difference or that was something to brag about. You know, these are the things you go home and say, hey, honey, I did XYZ thing and I'm so happy or I got this big account. Those are the things that these interviewers want to know if they're applicable to the position, if they showcase the skill set that function along with the, the role that you're currently, that you're applying for. And so bragging about yourself, not, you know, being an egotistical maniac about it or being, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, cocky or arrogant. Being yeah, but I think this different. is where a lot of I think where a lot of people are uncomfortable, right? Because oh, yeah. you know they don't want to come across as cocky or arrogant. But you know, when you're in a job interview, that's the place to be cocky or arrogant. You know, well, there was one. So I think it's you know, talk things, it up, right? Well, I think it's one of those things where it's like you kind of downplay your accomplishments. Like it wasn't really that big of a deal, so I won't talk about it here. Yes, it is. It is. If you were excited about what's it, that, it's a big deal. What's that meme from a while back? You know, I'm kind of a big deal. <laughs> yes. Yeah, kind, kind of being a big anything. deal in the interview. Um, Wasn't that from uh, Napoleon Dynamite, I think? I didn't see the movie, so you're asking. Kind of, kind of a big deal. No Anyhow, idea. yeah. But that is Great. where you, you want to show how you, you do want to be proud of yourself because employers do want to see that you have a sense of confidence in you. Like, I made this happen. Even if they don't understand the value that you have attached to it, they want right. to hear that value from you. And that's, I know that I had to, uh, I've always asked this question in the interviews I went through for this recent role that I, that I'm getting and, you know, tell us about your accomplishments. Well, actually you're not going to understand this very well because, but in this team, I did this thing and this is what came of it. And it was a really big deal because this had not happened before. And they're like, Oh, again, that's those, buzz, those buzzwords. This hadn't happened before. Well, it was that goes back deal. to telling a story, right? Yes. I mean, you know, you just can't throw numbers out there. You have to build a story around exactly. it. And that, that's how you just engage people in general. Well, so, it, yeah, and it, it, it leads to point four, which is exuding a positive and engaging attitude. When you engage and you tell that story about how you accomplished something, you know, they believe you. And they're like, oh, wow, right. this must be a really big deal. She's really into this. Like, this is tell us more type of thing. And so you do want to be positive. Nobody wants to hire a negative Nancy. They they will, especially if negative Nancy has the the, the skill set that nobody else has. They're just not going to like her very well, but you want to be positive. You want to be engaging. You want to ask them, Hey, does, if this doesn't make sense to you, let me know and ask me questions, but this is what I did. Um, and, and this is why it's important. This is why I loved doing this, or these are the challenges I had. I wasn't excited about them, but I overcame them. And this is how. And so that storytelling is, is all part of that and being happy to tell the story. Just don't get yeah. too wordy. Don't, you know, I've got a 10 year old who sounds like she's a, a chipmunk on speed when she talks. It's like, Oh my God, slow down. Just please, <laughs> please slow down. So you, you definitely want to articulate yourself and present the information so they can understand and hear the story. So that's, those are yeah. those, those are those. Those things. are some great tips. I, I think those are some fantastic tips. And, mm -hmm. you know, certainly we could have a number of shows about this. I mean, there, there's a lot to talk about, but, there you know, I think, I think the high level story here is, you know, uh, show up, have a good attitude, be able to talk you know, some positive stuff about yourself and talk yourself up and, and have some data to back it up and you'll be good to go. Yes, absolutely. Career fail of the week. I mean, we all have our favorite celebrities and celebrities for 
Um, you're, it used to be your outspoken celebrities, the ones that were political, were not your most popular ones. Because again, it's a job. Being a celebrity is a job. You're acting, you're doing something, your personality or whatever. Um, so getting out there into, it, it's a real slippery slope to um, get political as a celebrity because people are going to follow you simply because they're your fan, whether they believe in your personal platform or not. They'll follow you just because you're whatever your name is. And that includes Dwayne The Rock Johnson. And so in this um, little tidbit from Fox News, and I'm sure everybody heard this. This is a couple weeks old now, but um, The Rock endorsed Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. And it was his first time stepping into the public political light. First time yeah, he's spoken out. First time. And I mean, he's been a thing for, you know, oh, well over 10 years now, oh, right? God, 20 so- years because I was in my... Um, I was 19 or 20 when I first heard about him in the WWF or WWE. I used to be a, those are basically soap operas for guys. If you're not familiar and they're just the, the high end acting wrestling stuff. And he was, yeah. the rock was there and you could smell what the rock is cooking and candy ass this and opening a can of whoop ass that. And I mean that he was the big, he was the thing. So he's been around for 20 years. I mean, he's, he's, he had been awesome up until this point to many people. <laughs> he had been, a, he had he, been awesome. Um, and that's what people loved about him. He kept to himself his politics. He kept to himself his personal life because you don't want a bunch of single women not loving this man because he's married with kids. You know, right. his marketing people were really good about keeping him popular and keeping him relative until this. And I think this is going to hurt him pretty pretty good because i saw some things on facebook that were not flattering to his fandom um but he decided to step up and say biden's my man kamala's my woman i'm, I'm siding with these guys yeah and then the fight started <laughs> well i mean good on him for having an opinion and and letting everybody know what it is right okay um <laughs> I, I mean going back to that that brand i mean you know right. he, he's more than a personal brand you know he's he's got a number of movies and um, yeah. Big, big fan base. And, and I think, you know, one thing that kind of, uh, from my perspective that kind of rocked the boat here was, um, you know, his personal brand doesn't really match up with who he portrays in the movies. Um, Cause you know, the, the rock, you know, the guy that's going and busting doors down and kicking ass. And I mean, I think, I think people would normally attribute that to somebody who's more, you know, leaning right. Right. Um, than somebody who, who leans left. So, and, but it could go, I mean, the other way, right. I guess, right. Uh, you know, but he did come out and say that he, he's an independent and he has voted for both Democrats and Republicans in the past. And, yeah. and this time he's decided to go with Democrats. And so, I mean, good, good on him for having an opinion, but I mean, in this section career fails, um, certainly I, I think it hurts his personal brand. Um, it- particularly because he just came out and did a huge endorsement, you know, just out of the blue. I mean, if he had been endorsing people for the last 10, 15 years, I I think people would be like, ah, it's no big deal. Right. Right. Um, You know, and he didn't come out and and play the middle, which would have been, you know, vote for, you know, I'm going to vote for this person, but you need to vote for whoever you think is right. You know, he didn't really do that. So, uh, but there were a lot of comments on his post on, uh, it was on Twitter, right? Um, Mm -hmm. I think where, you know, people were saying, yeah, I'm done with you. Cancel culture. I'm not watching your movies anymore. Um, and then I read something else that was interesting that said, oh, these are bots, right? These are Russian bots that are doing this. And I I don't, you know, you looked at some of the names and they, they looked pretty authentic to me. 
at least for the the small snippet of comments that I looked at. So it'll be interesting. I think people have pretty short memories. I think by the next time he does a movie and it comes out, people have forgotten this, you know? I hope so. Because um, I, I like him. I like watch. I like to watch his movies, especially like in Jumanji. You've got this big guy who's known for yeah. being a badass, and he's sitting there in the – I don't know if you saw the first Jumanji movie. He's playing the – his. he's the in, – in his human form, you know, he's this uh, – little meek nerdy white kid and you know right. curly awkward looking guy and, and and when he's in the game he's the rock and he's big and bulky and handsome and smoldering is the big thing yeah. with the girls and and he turns around at one point he's like don't cry don't cry don't cry don't cry <laughs> yeah. you're just yeah, like oh he... you're so likable yeah, he can blend some humor in with, uh, you know, with oh, that yeah. tough guy. He's talented. Persona, you know, he, he's, he's. I think so he's really talented. talented. Yeah. Yes. And and I, I, I truly oh. enjoy watching him. I mean, I've seen, I've seen the the second Jumanji and, uh, you know, Fast and Furious, and uh, we've seen him in that, and uh, you know, a number of other things. Right. But um, yeah. he, he's certainly talented, and I, I think that. At the end of the day, this isn't going to hurt his career, but I think the next time he goes to the negotiation table, it, it may it may knock a couple million off of what he can get, what he can land. You know, well, he he may have had a strong enough following and a strong enough likability because that's the thing with him; he's likable. He is just simply likable. Um, doesn't take crap from anybody. No nonsense type of guy, and so that may be what saves him on this one because a lot of other. Like Bette Midler came out and bashed Melania Trump and that tore into, she wasn't, you know, she's kind of that old version of what is now is what used to be called the has been or the washed up type of celebrity. And so she didn't do herself any favors. Roseanne Barr is another one who spoke out apparently during a time when she was some sort of intoxicated and that ended her career on her show that was building up again for the second time, Mm -hmm. same show reprised and it, she was taken out of it and somehow it's surviving. I don't know how, because I don't think it's near as good without her. But when you have these people who are, you know, the, the, the public loves for one reason, either loves or loves to hate, and they come out and cancel culture hits them, it's like, oh, I hope, I really hope he can survive this. I really hope he comes out on top of this one because he's been fun to watch from the get go. He was the one you wanted to hate in WWE, and then now he's the one you love to love. And right. so I hope this does not hurt his career, but that's what having a political opinion can do to you. Um, it, it's, this is going to test just how good his, his personal branding and his marketing team have done for him. This really is going to test that. Um, I wish I'd been a fly on the wall when his marketing people heard that he was going to get political. Well, Don't I, do it. I just, I, I'm, I just wonder, did, did, was this really planned very far ahead with his pub, publicity team or did he just go do it? See, that's why I'm wondering. That's why I want to be a fly on that wall when this conversation happened. Like, why would you do you know, that? Was there the phone call? Like what, wait, wait, what he, he did what? Wait, right, where is this? Wait, I, no. Uh, I, oh crap. Right. So <laughs> you I, know. I would be willing to bet that this was not a planned thing because in, in the article it says in its quote from the rock that says you've led in my opinion with great compassion and heart and drive, but also, but also soul. And that was his quote in terms of Biden. And it's like, oh, buddy, your your marketing people did not. Are we edit talking that about the same people? Here? Right. <laughs> yeah. So I'm thinking that maybe the marketing people called him up and said, "Shut up." Yeah. Because I haven't seen anything from him since. That was, but, and I'm, I'm glad we're doing this a little, a couple weeks late because he's not been anywhere in the news 
Since. Yeah, he hasn't he hasn't come back out and and we haven't seen him on the campaign trail or anything like that. Right. And, and and I think you know long term, I think it'll be interesting. You know, let's just say um, Joe Biden does win the presidency, and now The Rock has just basically alienated a, a large majority of his his mm-hmm. viewership, right? Presumably at least half ish, right? Yeah. Um, so I think it's important to note too that when you attach yourself to you know. Um, a political person or topic that's as, especially as emotional as this one has become, uh, there could be some very long, long reaching, um, you know, some, some very long reaching effects from it. Right. And, you know, there was also, um, Biden had used in, you could say used, you could say talk to, you could say exploited really depends on your perspective on the matter in terms of Cardi B who is not political, who doesn't seem to have a political bone in her body uh, but came out and did a quote unquote interview with right. Biden. And this is somebody who is known for her song WAP, which I won't listen to the song because I've heard what it's probably about. Um, so <laughs> I'm going to, I think I'm going to veer away from that one. So I've never really been attracted to those kinds of songs, but, um, and it's, it, it, this came out just a, a little bit after that. So it's almost like a, it, that saved her backside. Cause that was a real bad political, that was a real career failure on her part to let herself be used like that. Cause seeing some of the interview that I saw, it's like, you're not a serious person. Like nobody yeah. takes you seriously. So this is not the role for you to be taking this political campaign. So definite, you know, stamp that one a career fail for me. Her marketing people, you know, really jacked her up on that one, in my opinion. And I think the rock was saved by his political people on this one. Yeah. Like stop talking. Just, just stop. <laughs> Let's talk tech. You're in the IT corner. We've got something in here, uh, which I am going to admit, I don't know what it is, and it sounds pretty inappropriate. What? What? The touch portal. I mean, it sounds sexy, right? Yeah? And that's the thing? (laughs) It it doesn't sound like something that you buy at Walmart, I guess. That's all I'm going to say. This was your section. I'm like, oh, this is mine. Um, let me I have look no at idea what this is. This has to be yours, or we've been hacked. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's funny. Um, oh, you know what? It is mine. I, I take that back. I don't recognize ah. this. Because I completely <laughs> forgot about this because we. I put this in a couple of weeks ago, but uh, so we this is the... ourselves. <laughs> Let me explain. Uh, Hold on. <laughs> I thought this was your deal. It's totally mine. Yeah, they needed a better name for this because it does sound pretty dirty. I mean, it's going to uh, get a lot of attention. That's what we need. <laughs> so this is an app, app for your phone. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, and it does not have any weird things that you can buy with it, I don't think. You um, know what? You'd be careful with that one. I've heard some <laughs> stories. So. <laughs> but, well, I've heard so you, an app for that. <laughs> you, yeah. <laughs> well, you know how uh, everything's on the networks now, right? So this yes. is an app you can put on your phone. And as long as your phone is on the same network as your computer, um, you can now use your phone as a keypad basically for quick buttons for your computer. So you can have a button that launches an application. There's buttons to turn up and down the volume. Um, Like you could use it on this show. If we were to put sounds, we could assign sounds to different buttons. Like and then it would on the show we do we need, we need some do. of those like old timey sounds you know we like the cookie cool, shoes and stuff yeah some cool sounds um, but yeah so i, I just i, I now I, I now i remember what this is <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, but this is uh 
they they touted it as the macro remote control for PC and Mac. Uh, so this is an app you put on your phone, and then you can you can basically program the buttons for lots of different things. And they've they've got pretty good um, integration here with different things. So keyboard shortcuts, um, like I said, sound pad. You can write custom functions for it. There's Windows functions. You can do things on Twitter, um, on open broadcast uh, software, uh, OBS, which is a lot of people use for streaming. So. Um, you know, this might be a way to, uh, you know, make your work life a little faster, uh, a little more streamlined, uh, you know, also Spotify too, so you can play songs from Spotify. So anyhow, a neat, neat little piece of software that I thought was, was pretty cool. And, uh, if you're a power user for your computer, it may save you some time. Very cool. So it's not what we thought it was. I mean, kind of Definitely not what we thought like it was. Has some functionality, I suppose, though. It's not what we thought it was kind of disappointed. I mean, you know, when I first saw the name, after totally not remembering it, I, I kind of thought it was like the Facebook, because didn't Facebook have a sort of like a, you know, a thing with a camera that you could do video conferencing with? And, oh, yeah, it's still out there. Yeah. It's called Rooms or something like that. Yeah. It keeps asking me if I want to create a room, and I'm like, no, I don't want to create a no, room. No, no, I think there's like a piece of hardware that you can buy. And it's got a camera built in it, and anyhow. I don't know I don't that know. I want Mark Zuckerberg and a camera in the same <laughs> sentence in my house. I'm just well, saying. Yeah. <laughs> just, you never know. I mean, they, they kind of don't want to know. <laughs> they will hoover up your data, that's oh, for sure. God, they will. <laughs> Welcome to Media Madness. So you've got fourth gen Alexia or Alexa. Alexa, yeah. Well, be careful. Sorry, folks, if I just activated yours. Um, mine's in the other room. So I got into Alexa. Buy all the toilet paper on Amazon. <laughs> Don't do it because it's expensive and it takes months to get in. And it's not what you think it is. It's not my truck shows up. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I bought a new house a year ago. And uh, the gentleman I'm dating, um, we call him Bo for his security reasons. <laughs> um he had bought an Alexa for me when he knew I was in the process of buying a house because I didn't have one. I didn't want one at my old place. He lives by the damn thing. I swear that Alexa and it listens to him and I think it loves him and it hates me. It won't listen to me. It ignores me. Um, so it's a little bit of a, a little bit of a cat fight at his place when I'm there. So I got an Alexa last year for Christmas in my new house. So it is kind of addictive. I wouldn't have bought the first one for me, but I have bought the subsequent ones to it. And mm -hmm. so I've got the Alexa and I've got two echo dots in my house and they are really cool. I can control my lights. I can blast music downstairs on my son unsuspectingly. In fact, I don't even have to be home to do it, which is really cool because I'll just start blasting Bohemian Rhapsody while he's playing the video game and scare the crap out of him. It's awesome. So, um, and just like any other piece of technology, you've got different generations. And so, um, this one has come out with the fourth gen. And so it looks like they're at least changing the shape with these. The dots are, a little bit more of a, I mean, the Alexa, the Alexa itself is a big, tall cylinder. You know, it's probably like eight or nine inches tall. Ooh, this is, is like Orby. It is Orby. It is very much Orby. It, and then your Alexa clock too is that? It, well, this version does. The one I picked does because that's just, if I get this one, which I probably will, it'll probably go in my bedroom as an alarm clock, so I can see the time on it. Because um, I'm always checking my phone to see what time it is when I wake up in the middle of the night. Right. And, so, and the Alexa dots are about a, a third of the size of the Alexa itself. The Echo dots are a third of the size of the Alexa. And then there's this little guy that appears to be about half the height of the Alexa, but it's got this orb shape, spherical orb shape to it. Um, the little light that you see at the rim of the Alexa and the Echo dot is at the bottom of this one. Mm -hmm. And so the speaker portion is on top. And on the others, those are reversed. And then this one does have the 
that it shows you the clock, um, the digital clock out in front of it. So in looking at this and comparing it to the third generation, it looks like it's just going to work a little bit faster than what the current one does. So that's kind of the problem with my current one is I'll ask her to do something. And she's like, I'm not connected to the internet right now, or I don't know what that means. It's like, um, I don't pay to have you not know something. You're supposed yeah. to be smarter than me. Do it. And so this one's supposed to be a little bit faster. Now, what's great about the Alexas is that they are, they're gaining in technology all the time. So here recently, and I think we announced it last time, um, our podcast can now be pulled off onto Alexa. Now, mm -hmm. not just ours. And while I don't really want to endorse anybody else's yet until we get well, up to I mean, point. why would you listen to anybody else's podcast? I know. What the, yeah, seriously. Come on. So why even talk about anybody else's? But they are out there. We have to face the music. So when you want to listen to your podcasts, you can link up your Alexa to your favorite podcast app like um i think it's what like what spotify is one you just mentioned or um itunes or you know wherever you get them from you can right. link up with alexa and say you know hey so and so because i don't want to say your name and activate everybody's um play the business in the podcast. tube <laughs> and so it'll play it for you and what's even great about what the, the better thing about this is if you start a podcast in a car you go into your house and you think oh yeah i can start listening again you can just tell you can tell her to you know, resume that podcast or start listening to that podcast. And she'll say, Oh yeah, you were listening to this episode. I'll just play from there. And mm -hmm. so it's really cool how it all connects. So this is, I've gotten kind of addicted and attached to these dang things. I've got one, my main Alexa is in my kitchen. And then I've got the echo dot in my living room. And then I've got an echo dot downstairs. And what's cool. And Chris, you'll love this. And you might just have to get one because your house, you're, you're building a home. You've got two levels to your home. The Alexas will talk to each other. So when I'm upstairs cooking dinner, I'll tell Alexa to drop in down to the basement, which is what I have my basement one labeled as. And she'll drop in there. She'll open the speaker and I can say, hey, son, dinner in five minutes. Turn the stupid game off and come upstairs. <laughs> and he'll be like, oh, okay. So, it, you know, you can do that kind of thing. You can talk to people. And then I can drop in on him and he doesn't know that I'm listening. So it's uh -huh. like for you parents out yeah. there who have control and trust issues with your children, you can just slip one in there and be like, hey, Alexa, you know, drop <laughs> if in. If you have on time me. for that. <laughs> I know parents who do. And this is, I mean, it's a, some people do it. I can't. I'm just like, I don't have the, I don't have the wherewithal to be involved in that many conversations. Yeah. The ones in my head are enough. <laughs> so, and they have a few different colors. Uh, this one with the, the clock on it, I think they have like, I think they call it charcoal and white. But Looks like they have a kid's version too. Do it looks like a little bitty tiger. It's so cute. Yeah, Tony the tiger almost color coloring, but and then the one without the clock on it. They have a few other colors for that, like that light blue color is becoming pretty popular, and that light gray color, whatever. So, but I'm into these things. I like them. I may have to get this for my bedroom, and um, it's hard because I won't play music in my bedroom. I listen to the music channel in my. I have a <laughs> fun fact. I have a TV in my bathroom. I didn't put it there. <laughs> it came with the house over my garden. Oh, uh -huh, sure did. <laughs> it did. Because I wouldn't have thought to do this. I thought it was genius when I saw it. Does it only get the real housewives? Oh, I don't watch that. You cannot. I can't do it. That stuff. <laughs> I cannot watch that. that. That'll drive me to drinking hard. I mean, there's just no way. No, I just listen to music or my guilty pleasure. I'm I'm in my garden tub every Sunday night. I watch. I listen or watch Golden Girls all day Sunday. By four o'clock, two and a half men are on, and that's my guilty pleasure <laughs> on Sunday. So that's what I watch for my time. Charlie Sheen. Oh my gosh. Oh, such a waste of such a beautiful human. God, I just, <laughs> just love to to dislike he, him. But he, he had a good run. He's yeah, he made it a little too good. 
<laughs> might have overdone it just a little bit. So yeah, that's that. And this just came awesome. out. I think I just got the alert on it from Bo. He tells me all this stuff. Um, Bo's in, in the IT field. And so I get to hear about all this stuff all the time. And this one, um, he these are his little hints like, hey, here's a new little toy. And it's not just for him. It's like, here's a new toy for us. You want one too, don't you? It's like, it's nice. <laughs> I'll get there. You know, can't stop sending me stuff, but... Um, I'm glad he did send this one to me because I, I never find out about these things in a timely fashion. I think he's got like yeah. alerts and sensors for everything like mm -hmm. this. Yeah, so, definitely yeah. have to check into this. Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, as I'm building a new house, uh, got getting insurance quotes, and they keep asking me, you know, you're going to have a security system and all this kind of stuff. It's like, well, not right away, but you know, does some of this technology count? I guess is is my question. <laughs> right. you know, when do they start giving you a discount for security systems and you have a bunch of, of these dots and some cameras. Is that good enough? Or right. you know, well, do you still need to pay ADT? You know, that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. And that's, I'm heading that route actually. So I don't, I don't it's not worth the discount for the price you got to pay for the security system and the, the constant yep. coverage. Just not worth it. But what about you? What do you have on media madness? What is this good omens? Yeah. So good omens. This is on uh, Amazon prime and it uh, it's a series. A Series. No, it's a, it's a series. Um, so it's a heaven and hell thing. Um, and it's basically an angel and a demon who are on earth and they're sent here by God to watch over the peoples, you know. Um, but the interesting concept is that they're not supposed to talk to each other, but they do. You know, so they have these like meetings throughout time. It's really kind of interesting because they, they do show it in different time periods. Um and so, you know, it's like, you know, be back in the 1800s or in the 1950s or whatever. And oh, so they, they kind of have these secret meetings and, you know, they don't want to be seen together kind of thing. But, you know, they kind of, well, you do this and I'll do that. And, you know, they kind of like make this sort of deal. <laughs> but uh, I don't oh, want to wow. ruin the plot. But, uh, you know, basically, uh, you know, the bad dude is coming. Right. Um, right. And so anyhow, but this is a series. It's uh, it's not too long. I think there's, you know, like only six or eight episodes. But, I mean, it's got some really good people in it. Michael uh, Sheen, uh, David Tennant, John Hamm, Hamm are, you know, are, are the big players in this. And uh, really good acting, um, you know, really uh, high, high quality production value. I mean, you, you kind of get sucked into the world. It's one of these things where you – and they have a hook at the end of each one, right? So you get to the end of this one episode, and you're like, oh, i got to watch the next oh, one. Oh, and right? you did. That's so, yeah, definitely binge, binge watch this. Um, but, uh, you know, it kind of goes through history. Um, and uh, it's it's a unique look on on maybe how these things could happen. I don't think they happen like this for sure. But uh, <laughs> it, it's almost kind of – you almost kind of wish it did sort right. of thing, you know. Yeah. Neat. I'm going to have to check that one out. That look, That sounds really cool. Yeah, like this was a good one. And, and full disclosure, I did watch this, you know, a while back. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I, you know, I think it's good enough. I'd, I'd probably watch it again. And I was I'm kind of hoping by now they would have put a second season out. But uh, we'll, we'll uh, see. Hopefully. We will see. I'll be checking that one out. Very cool. Yeah. Well, right. any closing thoughts? Stop COVID. Stop COVID. That's all I got. Stop Just COVID. Done already. Drink the wine and stop COVID. How about that? Drink the wine and stop. It, you know, I think it's curious as 2021 is coming and, you know, you see all these posts on Facebook that are, you know, 21, 21's coming. This is all going to be over. And <laughs> I don't think anything's magically going to be over in 2021. 
I mean, just let be him more be of a transition. Ignorance is bliss, Chris. Let him be blissful. That's right. We That's can be blissful. <laughs> well, until next time, you want to wrap it up for us? Yeah. Yeah. So thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Biz and Mayhem podcast. If you like this episode or if you just like us, show us a little love by posting a review on iTunes. And don't forget just to send us a few bucks on Patreon or PayPal. We'll love you forever because making these podcasts, it's, it's just not free. So we need help. Get the show notes for this episode by heading over to the bizandmayhem.com website. That's B-I-Z-A-N-D-M-A-Y-H-E-M.com. And look for season one, episode 15. And you can subscribe. You really should subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And until next time, have some fun in the mayhem. The Biz and Mayhem podcast is produced by Check 6 Creative Studio. If you have a podcast or have been wanting to start one, let us know. We'd love to help you produce and edit your podcast. We'd also love to work with your business on marketing and video production. Visit us on the web at check6studio.com. That's C-H-E-C-K-S-I-X-S-T-U-D-I-O.com. Let us know you heard about us on the Biz and Mayhem podcast.